0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Church on Main. We're so glad to see you this morning uh, on this bright, sunny, maybe a little tired after a home football game morning. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're with us. Go Hokies. Um, if you're able, uh, stand with us and sing as we worship our Lord this morning. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. great reminder as we wake up this morning. Um, we're going to move into a song that may be new for some of you, but this is a, 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 good, a good testimony about no matter what you're going through, you're not in it alone. He's there with you always. Ready?
1: the seas. Should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears a birth where another died for me. There is another
0: with reckless love I hope you've heard it I hope you know it I hope if you don't know it you learn it today and the words sit in your heart and that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has this overwhelming and never-ending reckless love for you thank you so much today that we know that you're going to chase us down and you're never going to leave us behind. We thank you that in any circumstance, whether it be praise or whether it be stress, you're here. We're so blessed to have you on our side always. And God, today, we just ask that you let the stresses of the week go And that you let us be here in your presence, ready to learn, ready to worship, and ready to give ourselves to you as we go into this next week. Thank you, God. We love
2: you. You may be seated. Good morning. For those of you who don't know... I am not Tommy McDiris. Uh I got a call uh, last night about the, during the third quarter of the ball game. Go Hokies. And uh, Tommy had uh, tested for COVID. So uh, positive. And so uh, uh, I'm pinch hitting uh, this this morning. But it's good to have you here uh, this morning as we worship together as the, the people of God. I was telling somebody earlier that this is... Uh, uh, only the second time we've held this service uh, uh, during the pandemic, uh, we didn't have uh, the contemporary service, so we're starting it back up. I'm glad that you're you're here the, this morning. Glad to have those who are also online uh, joining us uh, for worship. The past three Sundays, Tommy has been preaching a series of messages on "Created to Dream." The uh, six phases God uses to grow our faith. The first week he told us that we're created in God's image and that he's given us the capacity to dream. He's given us divine imaginations and we need to use the ability he gave us to dream. Uh, Just think about it. The very same God who created this, this vast universe, the one who gave us aardvarks and ostriches and giraffes, he gave us the ability to dream. Well, then the second Sunday, Tommy talked about discovering God's dream that he has for us. Now, we don't want just any old dream. We want to uh, identify the dream, the particular dream that God has for us. He wants the best for us. One of my favorite verses is from Jeremiah 29:11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to prosper you, to not do you harm, but to give you a future, to give you a hope. Now, we need to know God's dream. For our lives. And then last Sunday, Tommy shared that it was important that we make wise decisions when we pursue our dreams. We need to pray, we need to read our Bibles. God has also put in our lives people who can give us good advice and give us uh, guidance, who have had experience to help us navigate life as we pursue our particular dreams. Well, today, Tommy, bless his heart, was going to talk about what we need to do when our dreams are delayed. When they are not fulfilled according to our timetable, which many times uh, they are not. And it's at times like this that God is working in us. He's working through us to, to build and to shape our characters, to, to mold us and to the people that he created us to be. So what do we do when our dreams are delayed? Well, I think scripture is very clear about that. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. And the Bible is full of examples of people whose dreams were delayed, but they walked by faith. So listen uh, to Hebrews chapter 11, verses uh, 8 through 12. The word of the Lord. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he called... ...was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And by faith Sarah, his wife, herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The word of the Lord. My wife Lou Ann, and I have lived in Virginia for almost uh, 29 years. We moved here in 1994. We moved to a little town called Scottsville, population 600, uh, just south of of Charlottesville right on the Horseshoe Bend of the the James River. But I remember being so excited when we moved to Virginia because I, I love history. I started reading biographies when I was like in the fourth grade. I think I must have read every biography in our little elementary school library. I studied history in college and I taught high school American history for three years. Of course, Virginia, is filled with all kinds of meaningful historical sites and places of historical significance. Uh, Scottsville, which is in Albemarle County, uh, where we lived for 12 years, had some important historical roots dating back to the the 18th century, not the least being that, that Lottie Moon, The uh, famous Baptist missionary to China was born there. In fact, her family founded Scottsville Baptist Church in 1840, um, where I was the pastor, and uh, it was her hometown church. But uh, Albemarle County is also, of course, where Monticello, the home of Thomas Jefferson, is located. And uh, Mr. Jefferson's uh, influence is ubiquitous there, as you can imagine. But when we first moved to Scottsville, I spent a great deal of time just wandering around. I'd go out and I'd just drive the back roads of Albemarle County just to find out uh, where they led. And I would spend hours wandering with with no particular uh, destination in mind, and history was everywhere. You know, I once looked up the word wandering in the dictionary, And the first meaning I came upon, it was an adjective and defined it as traveling aimlessly from place to place. It gave an example, an itinerant minister, a preacher, or a wandering minstrel. And it also gave some synonyms for wandering, uh, some of them not very positive ones. Traveling, rambling, roaming, roving, drifting, floating, wayfaring, peripatetic, Unsettled, rootless, restless, nomadic, gypsy, vagabond, vagrant. You get the message. And the second definition said the word wander was a verb and defined it as to walk or to move in a leisurely, casual manner or in an aimless kind of way. Uh, Stroll, amber, saunter, walk, dawdle, ramble, meander, Stray, depart, diverge, veer, swerve, deviate, digress, drift, get separated, sidetracked, wind, twist, turn, curve, zigzag, bend, snake, worm, and wool gathering. Anybody know what wool gathering is? It's someone who indulges in idle or absent-minded daydreaming, a a stargazer, someone indifferent to the busy world around them. It derives from the practice of wandering around areas where sheep graze to to gather tufts of wool that had been caught in the bushes. Wool gather. So obviously wandering or to wander can be a positive action or it can be uh, viewed as a negative one. But in our scripture lesson for today from Hebrews chapter 11, the writer is sharing what has come to be called the the roll call of faith. And he begins by saying at the beginning of chapter 11 that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And he goes on to list many of the Old Testament saints who who demonstrated faith in God. He he mentions Abel and Enoch and Noah and Moses and Rahab and and Jacob. He says he doesn't have time to mention uh, everyone and to detail how they demonstrated faith. He says, what more shall I say? Time doesn't allow me to tell of Gideon and Samson and David and Samuel, the prophets who endured all kinds of trials and tribulations mockings and flogging and chains and imprisonment. Some were stoned, sawed in two, killed by the sword. They were destitute and afflicted and mistreated, wandering in the deserts and the caves and the dens. And he concludes by saying, all of these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. You know, one of the great characters the writer mentions is Abraham Abraham. He says Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he w- he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went of course the whole account of Abraham's life is detailed in the in the book of Genesis. It's a remarkable story. Abram as he was first called and his wife Sarai are, they're living in the land of Ur and are called by God to leave the land of their birth in order to travel to a place where they had never been and they had no clue where it even was. It eventually became known as the promised land but that was much later. That God says to Abram and to Sarai, go from your country, leave your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And so Abram goes. He got up and he went by faith, not knowing where he was going. God didn't tell him where he was going. He just said, go from where you are and I will show you where you're to go. Just start walking. And by faith, Abraham obeyed. Now I can only imagine what the neighbors must have been saying. I think it's safe to say that most people like to know where they're going before they set out on a trip or a journey. Most people, at the least, want to know the destination of their journey, they want to know where they're going to end up. Yes, God did tell Abram that he was going to show him where to go, but Abram had no idea. Where that was, how long it might take him to get there. He only knew that God had told him to go and he would show him the way. Now, I don't know how God did it, but he must have, at the least, uh, pointed in the the right direction. Uh, Go that way. Take your wagon train west, young man. And don't worry, I'll show you where to go. All we know from scripture is that Abram did as he was told. By faith, he started walking. Now, in the Celtic Christian tradition, wondering was a very powerful practice and it shaped much of their vision of the, the Christian life. And they had a unique term for this. Uh, it's in Latin, it's peregrinatio pro Christo, the call to wonder for the love of Christ. The call to wonder. For the love of Christ. Simply put, the Celtic Christians believed that wandering was an invitation to just let go of their own agendas and then to discover what God was, where God was leading them. And they would uh, sometimes set out from home without any destination. Often getting to a, a small boat with no oars or rudders, or and just surrender themselves to the wind and the ocean what they called the currents of divine love. The river or the sea would then take them to places that they had not chosen for themselves. And in this manner, God became both the destination and the way. He became a companion, a guiding force. God was in the call to the journey. He was in the unfolding of the journey. He was in the end of the journey. And the goal of this wandering was to surrender to God's direction and and it led to what they called the place of resurrection which was the equivalent of the land that I will show you. One of the great Celtic saints, St. Columba, once wrote, God counseled Abraham to leave his country and go on a pilgrimage into the land which God had shown him Now the good counsel which God enjoined here on the father of the faithful is incumbent on all of the faithful. That is to leave their country and their land, their wealth and their worldly delight for the sake of the Lord of the elements to go in perfect pilgrimage in imitation of him. Philip Sheldrake, a theologian, described it this way. He said the journey of wandering saints was actually a search for the ultimate place a place of harmony, a place of unity of all things in the absolute. These seekers, these wanderers, they truly believed there was this place called the place of resurrection and following the signs that God gave them would lead them there. It was a place where they would flourish, a a place of eventual resurrection into new life. And so how can we today... Practice granatio pro Christo the call to wonder in our lives now I doubt that there's too many people here this morning who would want to step into a rudderless boat with no oars and allow the current to just take us anywhere seems a, a little dangerous to me a little impractical most of us like to stay rooted where we are we like to stay where our feet are on the ground, so to speak, with a certain predictability to our lives. Wondering perhaps has negative connotations for us, kind of like those synonyms I, I shared with you earlier. We're not given to walking around just allowing the wind to, to blow us where they may. But on the other hand, as followers of Jesus, we're called to walk, just as Abram was, was called to walk by faith. And the fact is that not one of us is finished yet. We are in the making. All of us have the capacity to learn, to mature, to think, to change, to grow. We're in the making. But we also have the freedom to stagnate to regress, to constrict, to to lose our way. The fact is we have a choice, don't we? And what is true of individuals is also true of churches. Like the individuals who constitute them, churches are unfinished. They are in the making. They have the capacity to move forward if they choose or the freedom to stagnate and regress if they choose I believe that all of us have a role in choosing and creating our, our futures as individuals, as a community of faith. We don't need to wait passively for history to happen to us. We can become protagonists of our own story. Brian McLaren wrote a book called We Make the Road by Walking. It's the title of a poem. One of the lines says, Wonderer. There is no road. The way is made by walking. Now, this is not some 10 step plan to an abundant life. You do this, 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 and this, and you've arrived. The spiritual life doesn't work that way, does it? I would recommend, in fact, that you avoid any book, any article, whatever claims uh, that uh, you can achieve something by taking a certain number of steps and ta da you have arrived. There are no silver bullets in the spiritual life. We're talking here about a way of life that calls us to a deeper, a more radical trust in God and to realize that the way is made by walking in faith. Each step that we take on the spiritual journey we are shaped by listening to the divine presence who calls us forward He gives us the direction to take, the choices to make, and how much control we're willing to yield to him, like Abraham. So what does it mean? What does it mean to wander when it comes to walking by faith and not by sight? I think it means that we're open. We're open to fresh ideas, to new possibilities, to developing unfulfilled potential, to discovering new resources to bless and inspire and enliven our walk with Christ. Wandering calls us not to shrink back from the unknown. Now, what what if Abraham had, had done that? God is calling us to go, to move forward, to walk into the future with faith, with hope and love. And the road we're called to walk on is the one that is made by stepping out in faith into the future that God wants for us. You can call it what you want to. You can call it the abundant life, the place of resurrection, the promised land. But whatever you call it, it's the place where God wants you to be so you can be a blessing to him and a blessing to others. Faith is it's stepping off of the map of what is known, and it's making a new road by walking into the unknown. It's responding to God's call to, to adventure, to wonder. You know, there's been a lot of talk in the past few years, especially since the pandemic, about the decline of the church and how fewer and fewer people are responding to the gospel and I think that's true. There's no disputing it. There's a lot of doomsday rhetoric about the church in America predicting its, uh, its demise. The church is sinking. We're all doomed. And the numbers don't look good. Denominations regularly report widespread decline. The so-called nuns, those who profess no church affiliation, is the fastest growing segment of American religious life. Thousands of local congregations are closing annually. New church plants fail at an alarmingly high rate. Financial crises threaten to overwhelm many local churches. Mega churches even report that the vast majority of their growth comes from attracting members from other congregations. They're not attracting new converts. The prevailing opinion about the viability of the local church in America is decidedly grim and gloomy. On the other hand, I believe that the church is in many ways in the same position as the early church, the first century church. I believe there's never been a richer opportunity. There's never been a more compelling need. There's never been a more invigorating challenge than than what the church is facing today. Now, if I read Scripture correctly, and I believe I am, the church of Jesus Christ is not going to fail. It's not. At some point, the church will eventually emerge. From its decline to rediscover authentic community, witness, and vibrancy. Now, how is it going to do that? I don't know. When is it going to do that? I don't know that either. No one does, but I believe it will happen because I believe in my heart that Jesus told the truth when he said that the church would endure forever. Now, there's a woman by the name of Phoebe Venable who writes a regular newspaper column about a variety of topics. But in one column entitled Gloomy Predictions Overlook Change, she noted that, I quote, it's not uncommon to hear reports that say if something continues on its current path, the result will spell disaster. These reports take a current trend and they extrapolate it into the future to arrive at a devastating conclusion. She goes on to say that doomsday scenarios usually overlook one vital truth. Things can change. Those who make straight line projections about the future fail to account for such things as innovation or creativity, or God-inspired change that we cannot see today. And she goes on to talk about the Great Horse Manure Crisis of 1894. How many of y'all heard about the Great Horse Manure Crisis? Okay, here's a little history lesson here, okay? The primary form of transportation by the late 1800s was by horse, But by the early 1900s, the number of people living in cities had doubled while the population of horses had more than tripled. London was the largest city in the world in 1900. It had 11,000 horse drawn cabs. There are also several thousand buses, each needing 12 horses per day. The horses produced large amounts of manure. And the streets of London began to fill with this malodorous byproduct. And in 1894, a writer for the Times of London predicted that in 50 years, every street in London would be buried under nine feet of manure. Well, as always, necessity bred innovation. Horses were replaced by motor vehicles. Well, Phoebe Venable's point is well taken. Things may look grim, they may look bad, but this is no time to relax or give into temptation to dismiss facts with a naive belief that all will just work out for the better. If we sit around and do nothing, we'll be up to our necks in manure. Every congregation needs to take a fearless look at itself and admit that the future, yes, is grim without significant God-inspired creativity, innovation, and retooling. Fear may be the starting point for change, but it must soon give way to God-inspired hope and hard work if we're to endure. You know, motor vehicles didn't just drop out of the sky, did they? They came about because entrepreneurs and inventors painstakingly tried and failed with hundreds if not thousands of ideas and the same will be true for new life in our churches that our churches will embrace it will come one step at a time it will involve change it will require pain there will be failure and it will require great humility But thankfully, the church comes from a long line of those who defied conventional wisdom. They were willing to adapt to the unexpected. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Mary, Paul, our forefathers, our foremothers, they personified the idea that an uncertain future could be faced with confidence if they followed the Spirit's leadership. Some people have written off the church. Is it too late? Is the situation too far gone? And what about our individual lives? Have you ever felt that it was too late? Things were so awful that they could never ever get better? That we could ever recover? Well getting back to Abram and Sarai they felt the same way at one point. Like many couples, they dreamed of having children, but the years passed and, and no children came. They had even received a promise from God that they would become a great family and, and all people everywhere would be blessed through their descendants. But there was one problem. There was no descendants. They were far too old to have children. You can imagine how they must have felt. It was just too late. They even received assurance from God that they would have a child. And how does Sarai respond? She laughs. She laughs at God. God even asked Abram, Well, is she laughing at me? But over time, Abram and Sarai came to believe what seemed impossible was possible after all. And when that baby was born, they named him Isaac, which means laughter. And their names changed too, reflecting their new status. Abram became Abraham and Sarah became Sarah. You see, with faith, it's never too late. It's not too late for a dream to come true. It's not too late to learn something new. It was true for Abraham and Sarah, and it's true for us today if we follow in their footsteps we still have the capacity to learn and to think and to grow and to discover. And we need to embrace the spiritual practice of wandering. We need to be willing, as Abraham and Sarah, to set out on a journey of discovery, not knowing the way or the destination other than that God has told us that he's taking us to this place that he will show us the place of resurrection. You know, one of my favorite stories, getting back to history here, is about Daniel Boone, about his wanderings in the wilderness of Kentucky. He was constantly trying to find new lands for settlers to build better roads. One day, someone asked Boone the question, well, did you ever get lost in the wilderness? Boone pondered the question for a few moments, and then he replied, no, no. Not exactly lost, but I've been bewildered for days on end. Once for more than a week, but I kept going on. I kept going on. And that's what we need to do. We need to keep going on, confident that God will give us the necessary strength for the journey until we arrive at our destination. You know, even Moses and the people of Israel had a wilderness experience They wandered all over the place for decades and it wasn't pretty. It was downright awful. But throughout all the long delays, all the many disappointments, all the repeated failures, they learned to live totally before God, trusting him to provide as they made their way towards the promised land. Now it may have seemed too late to keep hoping. It may seem too late to keep trying. It may seem too late to keep learning, to keep keep growing. But in God's time, it's never too late. We need to get up and to wonder. We need to try something new. We need to be creative. We need to develop fresh ideas. We need to explore new possibilities. We need to realize unfulfilled potential. We need to discover new resources to bless and inspire and to enliven our walk with Christ. Wandering calls for us not to shrink back, as I said, from the unknown as individuals and as a church. What if Abraham had not done that. What if Moses had decided not to trust God and allow him to use him to lead the Hebrew people out of Egypt? What if the Hebrew people had given up in the wilderness? What if Caleb had not had a different spirit and he had come back from spying on the people of Canaan and he had agreed with the other spies that it was impossible, impossible to enter the promised land? Instead, he gave a good report And what if the Old Testament prophets had given in to popular opinion? What if Joseph and Mary had responded, not responded in faith to the seemingly impossible? What if Jesus had not endured the cross? God is calling us to go. He's calling us to move forward. He's calling us to walk into the future with faith, with hope, and with love and the way is made by walking in faith. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, and consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Walk, walk in faith. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of Scripture to the testimony of these saints who went before us and who trusted you, who stepped out in faith. They were obedient to you. They didn't know where they were going. They just knew that you wanted the best for them. And so they went. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we seek to walk in faith, to trust you with our lives, that you want the best for us, that you have a future and a hope for our lives. Lord, now as we enter into this time of communion, we pray that uh, you would bless us as we remember the great sacrifice that you made by the giving of your son, Jesus, so that we might know you and be reconciled to you and that we might follow you with our, our lives. Help us, Lord to remember and to respond to you by walking in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be uh, receiving the communion by intention, which means uh, we're going to come forward, and if you would take the, the bread, and then you can dip it in the, in the cup, and, and then take it, receive it. And then, so if you would come down the center aisle, and then make your way to, to the sides, okay? So uh, we invite you to come.
0: stand and we're going to sing one last song as we head out into this new week.
2: I just want to mention, uh, now there are some college students here, that there is a life group. That means 11 o'clock in the hop, which is for House on Progress. Eric Cross here is one of the teachers, he and his wife, Katie. And uh, so if you want to go to that class, uh, you can just follow, follow Eric uh, there. But glad that you're, you're here today. Thank you for coming out. Hopefully it's been a great time of worship together. Bless you.